Romans chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. I commend to you, I'm going to say Phoebe, our sister who is a servant of the church in Chentria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. So here's Paul, and he's talking about uh, this sister. He describes this lady uh, in several, several different words. First of all, he says she's a sister, our sister. So she is obviously a worker in the church. She uh, is a leader, a helper. Uh, there's different things that it says that she is. She is a servant is one thing that it calls her. Uh, later on, she is a helper at the end of verse 2. So all of these things, and uh, what is good to see here is that God has not called any of us to sit and soak uh, and not do anything. God's called all of us to have something to do in the kingdom, to be a servant, to be a helper, to be a sister or a brother. So God's called all of us to do something, and he is, there's two things here. He's recognizing the value of Phoebe, but also the value of women in general. And that's one thing that Paul does, is he, throughout this chapter, you're going to see several women that he recognizes as being somebody who assisted him somehow or assisted the church somehow in the ministry. So Paul is definitely not anti-women. He is definitely uh, uh, sees the value in women and women serving in the church in particular. Here's what he's uh, pointing out. Uh, it is possible that she is actually, since he's wrapping up this letter to the Romans, it is possible, one of the commentaries said that Maybe she was the one actually entrusted to take the letter from Paul and to give it to the church there in Rome. So obviously, if that is true, very valuable, very trusted uh, woman of God. And Paul is sending this letter, and in advance, he's giving her recommendation, giving a recommendation for her. Why would he need to do that? Uh, because he is send sending a woman, maybe... Uh, that they weren't at times recognized or valued as much as they ought to be. Uh, by the way, I, this is not your questions. This is one of those questions. It's like, I don't know the answer to this, but I think we can kind of come up with some reasons. Why would Paul finish this letter and send it with her and then send a recommendation of her? Anything else? So he knows her value uh, and he's, how she's helped others so that she's going to be well received. So it would have been bad for Paul to send her and say, bring this letter to the Roman church. And then she gets there and she has no place to stay and she has no way to support herself. And that's what Paul is saying. Hey, recognize her value. Uh, take care of her in whatever way that she needs. Uh, so he, he's commending her to them, he's giving a recommendation of her and asking them to treat her 
generously as they would any other uh, Christian. Maybe when she gets there, she can be used like you know Paul, and obviously uh, the church was being assisted by her. So maybe uh, she can continue in that work while she's there uh, to, to become an advantage for the church. So she's called a sister or our sister and a servant and a helper. The word servant is the same word that is translated, translated deacon in other places. So this is not just a light commendation to say, hey, she's a good woman. No, she's been entrusted uh, to be a servant. And by the way, that's what deacons are. In the church, the deacons are servants of the people in the church, especially those who are in need, and especially those who uh, are elderly, and those who are disadvantaged. That's how the office of the deacon really uh, started and sometimes certain areas that recognize it as officers, which is okay, uh, but primarily any deacon, I can say this because I, I served as a deacon too before becoming uh, a pastor, we're, we're servants uh, to the Lord, first of all, and then to the people who are that we're surrounded with in the church. So uh, she's obviously valuable and she's a helper. It's one ministry that we don't always uh, think about. How many uh, knows we, we just need helpers? Sometimes uh, don't need a title, uh, but somebody who will just step in and do whatever is needed, whenever. Uh, so that's, that's good that uh, she was able to do that. Let's read verses 3 through 5. I actually only read the first half of verse 5. It will get an idea of uh, what Paul is doing. He begins to greet different people that have been valuable to him in his ministry, possibly people that have come and visited him while he is in prison or been of some kind of assistance to him. So let's read this. And there's some names that you may or may not know. Some of them are women, but some of them are strange names, so you'd have to, uh, I just have to trust my commentary that, that those are women names. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. Now, Priscilla is female. Uh, my fellow workers in Christ, Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. So this is a couple that is not only mentioned here in the book of Romans, but it's all this couple, Priscilla and Aquila, are also in the book of Acts. I may remember you know, reading about them. They're mentioned in Acts chapter 18, and they're helpers of Paul. Apparently now they're back in the city of Rome. They're associates of his, they're helpers of his, and they're pastors. Now, they're pastors of, a, of their house church. We notice there were no buildings, no church buildings uh, in that day. If 
they were going to meet. Sometimes they would meet outside the synagogue or some, maybe sometimes in an open area like down by a river or something like that. Or in their houses. Uh, that's where we get the idea of small groups and that's where we get the idea of house churches. Uh, I actually met and they borrowed our annex uh, last year. Now they do have a church building, but there was a church literally called House Church. And they were meeting at their house and uh, it was a fairly large house and so they had about 50 something people uh, meeting at that time. Uh, now they do have a building, but churches did not particularly, especially in that day, have a, uh, a building that would be called a church. That didn't happen for uh, a while later. All right, we're going to read from the last half of verse 5 through verse 16. Paul here is, like I said, he's wrapping up the book of Romans and he's greeting uh, the people he knows are in Rome. Uh, he's greeting people who have been a help to him. And so he just begins by saying, Greet my beloved Epaphroditus. Obviously, Paul knew him very well because he wouldn't call just anybody beloved, right? Uh, so, who labored much for us, greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners. So here Paul is talking about uh, some men who are Jews, who are his countrymen, and also who have either already are in prison or, uh, or maybe during this time frame were sent to prison. Probably, since Paul knows about them, they went to prison before he did. Uh, he said, greet them uh, who are a note of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and uh, Stachus, my beloved. Greet Apelles, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. So obviously the household, uh, it could, just a side note, it could mean that Aristobulus might not be a Christian, but his family is. Or it could be that his whole, whole family is. Uh, we just don't know. Greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are of the household of uh, Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa. Those are women's names. So here Paul is again recognizing women uh, who have labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Greet Asyncritus, Plagion, Hermas, Patroclus, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Greet Philogus and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. There are some people listed here who are of note to the apostles. And that's why Paul is pointing them out. They're women who he has recognized, people who are working for the kingdom. When he calls some of them apostles, it may or not, may not be the original 12, 
uh, but it may be others who are not a part of the original 12. All of these people who have been chosen in the Lord and God uh, is using them and Paul, now imagine, if you're in prison, you can't do anything for yourself, right? They're, they allow him to have paper and pen uh, if people bring it to them uh, and he's He's in house arrest, essentially, so uh, he can't do anything for himself. So that's why he's so grateful and so thankful for the people who have somehow assisted him in his ministry. Now, some of these may have assisted him while he's in prison. Others may have assisted him before this, which is when he would have been doing his uh, first and second missionary journeys. Gratitude in the kingdom of God is important. It, it really is. We should thank people that help us. We should thank people that work in the church. I appreciate it, especially people uh, who don't get paid and they're volunteers and they, they don't make a living from uh, working and so uh, working in the church. So uh, we, we ought to have an attitude of gratitude towards uh, people and I'm thankful for uh, let me just say this. There's no way that me and my wife could do all the things that this church is capable of doing when we work together. Uh, there's no way I would have time to fill 15,000 eggs uh, and by the time it was time to do this and, and uh, uh, to do all the cooking and to do all the different things that we do and just that one outreach, let alone other things that we do. There's no way, uh, you know, that I would be able to keep up with that. But when we work together and we recognize, you see, you have things to offer that I don't know how to do or maybe just don't have time to do. Uh, and, and so I, I just encourage you and I want to thank you, like Paul is doing here, uh, and use what God has given to you. Because there's a lot of people that want to do this and they think that there's, you know, that they see this because it's up in front of people. Uh, but not everybody is called to do this, number one. And sometimes this isn't what it looks like. <laughs> sometimes sometimes uh, the spotlight is not what you want. I, I appreciate you and everything that God has called you to do. Do it with all of your might. And do it as unto the Lord. So that's what Paul uh, is doing and he's uplifting people not only being have a heart of gratitude but he's uplifting people and that's what we're all called to do Barnabas name and I mentioned this last week uh, means encourage and so that's what Paul's doing if you don't feel called to do anything else than be an encourager right uh, be somebody who says man i you did such a good job with that. I appreciate that. That was that was a great class. That was a great uh, event, and, and I appreciate what you did in that. That was uh, thank you for being there. All those things that are encouraging, and that's how Paul, which I think is the be the best way to do it, is wrapping up this book of Romans, paying compliments, but he's being sincere. <laughs> You need to be sincere when you're complimenting people. Not just, you know, patting somebody on the back and not being sincere with it. And not just, yes, that's the word I was thinking about. 
so we need to make sure that we're doing it. Then it says, greet one another with a holy kiss. In our day, that's not something that we do, although there are some churches that still do that. And, uh, it's, it's certainly okay. Uh, it's in the Bible to do so. It was a common greeting back then. This is a brotherly or a sister, you know, a, a peck on the cheek, not, not other things. That, too, can be done either sincerely or insincerely. Look what Judas did when he pointed out who Jesus was. You just have to be sensitive to, to what people uh, are comfortable with. We don't want to make people uncomfortable, but there's definitely nothing wrong uh, with hugging. One thing that I try to do is if I'm hugging a female is the side hug, uh, you know, uh, it's, you know, just have to be uh, cautious, and, but sincere in showing love. You, you know what you really see in this last chapter of Romans is that these were not people who were famous, that Paul was congratulating and thanking and uplifting. These were real people. Uh, and and I, I think that's uh, important because God uses ordinary people and real people. Uh, these were not professional theologians. Uh, the choir used to sing a song, uh, somebody help me out, I, I think it was everyday, yeah, everyday people. Uh, and so I think that was in a Christmas cantata or something. Uh, but that's really the reality is that uh, I'm not saying that God doesn't call some people who are have a notoriety about them, but he really uses everyday people uh, to do the work of the kingdom, which is good news for me because I feel pretty everyday and ordinary uh, and good news uh, for all of us that uh, God does that. They're just commonplace individuals, but here's the key. They love the Lord. And they love the servant of the Lord, which was Paul. Uh, that, that's impo important. We recognize uh, everyday people to see that they, they understand and know that. So if I haven't said it enough, I love you and I appreciate you and ain't nothing you can do about it. Look at all the women that are pointed out in this chapter. Phoebe, the very first one. Priscilla. There's a Mary in there. There's a Tryphena. There's a Tryphosa. There was the mother of Rufus. We talked about Rufus, but there was the mother of Rufus. And then Julia. So all these were women who worked for the Lord, labored for the kingdom of God, and were helpers for Paul and his ministry in some way. Jesus had women who followed his ministry, and most of the commentaries say that they supported his ministry financially. So uh, we should never underestimate uh, the contribution of women. Let me just say this. I grew up in this church, and at times, if not for women, I'm not sure how this church would have made it. And I've been, I'm in truthful uh, because the women played such a big role. Not that the men weren't important, uh, not saying that at all, uh, but uh, definitely the women had, had a large uh, contribution. Uh, 
I'm thankful for that. So then Paul begins uh, to kind of wrap up things, and he begins to give a warning. So he's done all of this teaching in chapters 1 through 15. Lots of doctrine, lots of different uh, things that we have talked about through all this book, and now he's going to give a warning because how many know us any time that God tries to do something, that there's going to be people who are going to be deceivers, and there are going to be people who are used by the enemy, uh, uh, people who will try to divide the church. And so that's what we see here is a word of warning from Paul, verses 17 through 20. It says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions. So what's he saying to do there? Well, you see, he's saying to vote, uh, avoid them, but also know who, they are. know who they are, right? How do you know who somebody really is? The Spirit of the Lord will show you, but yes, and by their actions, by the fruit, right? Uh, by, by, by the fruit, uh, by what they display when everybody's not looking. So we need to note those who are deceivers and causing divisions. Uh, let's continue to read that. Note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned. So you're going to base that who are being offensive, who are being divided, and the way you know the ones who aren't teaching and, and uh, doing things right are because of what you've already learned. That's why it's so important for us to, to divide the Word of God like we do on Wednesday nights and uh, some on Sundays. Uh, it's a little bit di different type of presentation on Sundays, but you need to know what you know and why you know it. Uh, and that's important. So for those who are such, do not serve our, uh, who, who are such, do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And that's simply a statement of that they're selfish. They're serving their own belly. That just means that they're selfish. Looking out for self. One of the basic things that we do as humans is look out for ourselves. It's not saying don't, don't take care of yourself, but don't be so selfishly driven uh, in order to watch out for people who we know are that way. And those who, by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. So these are the tools that these deceivers and these dividers are using is that they're using smooth words and flattering speech. Uh, I'm not trying to be political, but they sound like politicians. Smooth words uh, and uh, flattering speech. Things that uh, come from the belly that are not uh, uh, from the inside of a person that are not good. It's something that you don't typically see, like gall in your stomach digest food, but I'm going to try to get up, not be too graphic. But if you were to spit it up, it's not going to look pretty, right? Here he's saying, these people have smooth words and flattering lips, uh, for your obedience has become known to all. Man, that's a great statement. That the Lord would say that to us, that of us, that our obedience is 
become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. We're going to come back to these. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So, talking about those who cause divisions. The Bible is very clear that there is power in unity. Power in unity. And God calls us to be in unity. And so anybody who is working against the unity of the church is not for the church, is not for the Lord. So avoid those people, mark those people so that you know who they are. Now, that doesn't mean that people can't change, but you need to know who you're looking at, right? Uh, you need to understand uh, and, and avoid those people if they continue to do that uh, same kind of work. Yeah, he was, he was always trying to uh, fight against the disciples being divided. And, you know, he talked, he talked very sternly to the sons of thunder who wanted to be put on the right and the left side of Jesus, right? Yeah. They, they put a her up to it, to ask for it, but, uh, you know, sometimes you don't know what you're really asking for either in those situations. These people deceive the hearts of the simple. Usually the simple are the ones who have not, they're either young or have not studied and been taught. We want to study, we want to understand what the Word of God says so that we do recognize uh, people when they're in error and when they're trying to lead, lead others uh, astray. Rightly dividing that word, that's correct. So notice here that Paul says, be wise in what is good. I think this is such good practical advice. If we will understand what is good according to the word, we're better off than understanding all of the bad. I don't personally know all of the bad things that are going on in the world. There's some stuff out there that you and I are not, we don't understand, we haven't been exposed to. But that's not what this is saying. It's not saying be exposed to that. It's saying uh, understand, be wise in what is good. Know the good. Be genuine rather than counterfeit. Know the good, the genuine. You know how they train Tellers at the bank, they, they have them count money. Count, 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 count money all the time. Hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So they know the genuineness of the real. So that whenever something counterfeit is slipped in, something's not, wait a minute, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't quite look right. And so that's the same concept here to Paul saying, be wise in what's good. We don't have to be totally ignorant of what is evil, but we're better off if we understand what is good. And then the last part of that, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Uh, I never hear this verse without thinking of Jim Smith. I mean, he would have the kids, whenever he did his programs, he'd, he'd have the kids and he'd bring them up here and 
he would go through this chant. God of peace will sit and crush that underneath your feet. Say it with me. Underneath your feet. You know, he would, he would go through that with the kids. So God is a God of peace. Uh, he's a God of peace. And he will crush Satan underneath your feet. Right? But it's God who's doing the crushing and not your feet. Uh, he just simply ends up under your feet. We're to stay on guard. No dividers and deceivers. But also understand that God will protect us and he'll crush Satan under our feet. Let's read the verses 21 through 24. Paul's continuing to greet some people. It's interesting here that he points out Timothy. And we're going to go into Timothy in a couple of weeks. Timothy was uh, rates of first mention here in this particular paragraph because he's one of Paul's closest uh, confidants, friends, uh, trustees, associate, whatever you call him there, he is a uh, right-hand person of Paul. Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my countrymen, greet you. I, Tertullius, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church greets you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you. And Quartus, a brother, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So we see, or Paul mentions Timothy, I should say. Uh, and then it references Tertius, Tertius, however you want to say that. Who was he? He is uh, Paul, the one who uh, wrote this, possibly several epistles for Paul, but at least this one. He's a scribe. He's the one who Paul would dictate the letter and Tertius would uh, write it. At times, I do believe that Paul would take the pen because at times in other places he would say, I wrote this with my own hand. Or back a few uh, scriptures back, he said uh, to them, now I urge you, brethren. So it's possible that at times Paul would take the pen, uh, but Tertius was uh, the one who was most of the time the scribe, the writer. When I say the writer, not the dictator, but the writer uh, of, of the subject matter. So notice it points out a couple of Gaius. What does it say about Gaius? G-A-I-U-S. He's the host. He said he's my host and the host of the whole church. Man, this guy must have had quite a gifting of hospitality. Money, possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, obviously had means to be able to do so. That is a gift that we don't talk about a lot. The gift of hospitality is important. It really is. The gift of hosting people, the gift of feeding people and making people feel at home and comfortable. Uh, it is uh, important uh, that we have people uh, that do that. Let's read verses 25 through 27. Now to him 
who is able. Man, if I was preaching, I could just stop right there. Ooh, he's able, amen? Uh, he's able to do, uh, to establish you according to my gospel. So he is able to establish. Can I tell you that God will never let you down? He's able to establish you. He's able to keep you, the Bible says. Uh, he's able to uh, secure you uh, in his grace and in his mercy. So uh, God doesn't ever abandon you. He's with you, right? Uh, and so now to him who's able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now has been made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures has been made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God. For obedience to the faith, to God, alone wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. It's important for Paul, he, he's finishing up, he's, uh, this is kind of a benediction as he's uh, finishing up this scripture, and he's saying, there's a God who's able. There's a God who can keep you from danger. What do we know about this time? Is when some of the greatest persecution was going on with Christians. Nero came into power during the time that Paul, uh, Emperor Nero came into power during the time that Paul was imprisoned and he was the worst of the worst of the emperors. He uh, took, it seemed that he took great joy in killing Christians and torturing Christians and all of that. And Paul's saying, that God's able to keep you even through those dangerous times when you face the Roman government or the emperor or whatever it might be, uh, God is able to keep you. And that's the same thing that's true now. It does seem that we live in perilous times. Amen? Uh, but God's always able to keep you through all that. According to the revelation of the mystery. What's the mystery that Paul's talking about here? So uh, Paul here is talking about those that full plan of God, which includes those things that you were talking about, Kitty, and the plan of salvation. Uh, but the other thing that that Paul brings out is that the gospel was not just for the Jew, for the Gentiles as well, right? Uh, so and we're Gentiles, so. Now, when you, knowing that, when you read the New Testament, you get, this mystery gets revealed. This full plan of God, which doesn't just single out the Jews. Old Testament, it's a little bit harder to pick it up because God's constantly talking about, you're my chosen people and all those kinds of things. But look, when you get to Abraham, what does it say? Through you, all the nations will be blessed. And so, uh, and of course we know that fulfillment came through Jesus, who is uh, in the lineage of Abraham. Uh, but uh, all along, God had planned for the whole world to be able to be saved. And so that's some of the mystery. I'm not sure it was such a mystery or that the Jews just didn't really want to believe that. Christ came to fulfill yes. 
all of the whole plan of God. So uh, while some parts of it were revealed in the Old Testament, the fullness of that comes to pass in the New Testament through Christ. Because he fulfills the law. He's the, the Bible says he's the author and the finisher of our faith, right? Uh, so uh, it, it, it's important here. Uh, God has a full plan. Can I tell you, God has a full plan for your life as well. And sometimes we don't know what that is. We struggle with that. We feel unworthy. We feel like there's no way that God could use somebody like me or like you or whatever. Uh, and, but God has a plan for our lives. And it's a plan for good. Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us it's a plan for our good, a plan that is about a future and a hope, right? Uh, so that, that's important for us to understand. God's full plan, you can get really deep in this, is that plan of salvation, that plan for each one of us, but also the plan for the nations. And we see in, in the book of Revelation, I'm not going to go into this because I taught Revelation not too long ago, but God has a plan even for the nations. Right? Uh, so that's this fullness of the plan of God that's being revealed. And then Paul kind of wraps this up and he says that God is the only wise one. To God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. So here at the end, Paul's reflecting on the wisdom of God, but also in the wisdom of his plan. So we're talking about the plan of God, this mystery and this whole plan of God. We can't be too hard on ourselves or on uh, the people of God that they didn't fully understand the plan of God. Because guess who didn't either? Satan did not understand the full plan of God. Or if he had, he would have never tried to take Jesus to the cross. Hallelujah. Right? Uh, so he would have never allowed that to happen because then Christ uh, had paid the price for all of our sins, uh, goes and defeats death, hell, and the grave. And so sometimes we, we, we can be critical of the Jews because they didn't understand that it was supposed to incorporate into all of humanity, all the world, but even Satan didn't understand the fullness of God's plan. And he was told back in whenever that date was, back in uh, Genesis chapter 3, whenever he's told that the seed of the woman would crush the head mm. of the serpent, right? He still didn't understand that. Let's look at the questions. Question 1, according to verses 1 and 2, name three ways that Paul described Phoebe. Sister, servant, helper. Question 2, why did Paul commend Phoebe to the church in Rome? That she was a helper, so they would receive her. Yes, both of those. Question three. What did Priscilla and Aquila do? They were church pastors or home house pastors, right? They did risk their life, yes. Question four. According to verse 17. What is the Roman church supposed to do with those who are dividers and deceivers? 
avoid them, but also know who they are. Note them or mark them, uh, depending upon what version of Scripture you're reading. Question 5, according to verse 18. What methods do the deceivers use to fool the people? Smooth words and flattering speech, right? Yeah. All right, and then it's a fill-in-the-blank from verse 19. Paul instructs the Romans to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Very good. Uh, then last question, uh, question 7, according to verse 20. What will the God of peace do? Press Satan under your feet shortly, right? 